Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Recently, I was talking to a group of believers, and I asked them this question. What word would you use to describe our Lord and Savior, Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus Christ? And the word that I received was mild, that he was a mild man. And when I look at the passage that we're going to be studying today, I would not use the word mild to describe him. He was someone who was no nonsense, someone who was committed and passionate in regard to the character of his father. And he demanded that all people, and hear that carefully, all people would also be very committed to this character of God. Why? Because it's that character of our Heavenly Father that is going to be the character of the kingdom. And it is very troublesome when you and I, and for that matter, anyone, does not live according to the character of God. Take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Luke and chapter 11. The book of Luke and chapter 11. Now, here, Messiah is going to be speaking some very harsh words, and he is going to be very direct. He is going to be very clear on his feelings towards the religious leaders, and he has strong feelings against them, and there's a word that repeats over and over. We might translate that word, woe. What does it mean? Woe has this kind of definition. If there's not a change, how awful the conclusion is going to be. And that tells me that I need to look at my life and to also consider that I may need to make changes in my life. And if I rebel and am not sensitive to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, then it's going to be very uncomfortable for me when I go and stand before God. Now, I'm not talking about losing salvation. I'm talking about going before God with the understanding that I was not pleasing to Him and not finding the rewards that God wants me to have, that He's already created for me to have, but I not receive them. We need to realize, more than anything else, this passage that we're going to be looking at has to do with calling people to act in faithfulness to the truth of God and also to be someone who is a godly influence upon other people. So does that describe you? Are you someone who truly reflects the character of God and are an influence on others 
so that they are brought into the will of God. Well, look with me to our first verse, verse 42 of this passage, where it says, But woe to you, the Pharisees. Now, he's speaking to a group of Pharisees, and he's very specific in the language, where he says, But woe to you, the Pharisees. Why? Because you tithe the mint, and we would call rue. It's a very popular plant back uh, 2,000 years ago. It was very useful. And every, and some Bibles will say herbs or vegetables. Now, they were very committed to tithing. That is a good thing. But here's the problem. These were the easy things to do. Tithing such things as mint and rue and vegetables or herbs. But notice what he says as we continue on. He says, middle of verse 42, and you pass by justice and the love of God. Now, do you hear something that's very important? How Messiah is speaking tells us that there is a connection, a relationship between justice and the love of God. When you love God, you are going to be concerned for justice and, of course, God's definition of justice. And these individuals, they did the simple things. Now, why were they so obsessed with tithing such things as mint and rue? Because they were very inexpensive. It was easy to give 10% of, of virtually nothing. But when it came to justice and displaying and reflecting the love of God, these things, they just passed by, meaning they overlooked. So let me ask you a question. What things are important to God we read about them in his word that you and I tend to overlook. We are not committed. We're not passionate about these things. What else does he say? End of verse 42. These things, and then we have a very intense word. It is the word which means it is necessary. And necessary in an absolute manner. It is a strong word. He says, these things, it's necessary to do. And the other things, what we're talking about, tithing such things as, as vegetables and herbs and plants, he says, you should not abandon, meaning this. It's not an either or. We need to be committed and be obedient to every aspect of a person's life that we manifest justice, and that we demonstrate the love of God. And that is going to manifest itself in obedience to God's instructions, in other words, to the revelation of God. Look now to verse 43. He says again, Woe to you, meaning, if there's no change, Pharisees, how awful it's going to be for you in the end. Woe to you, the Pharisees, because, and here's their problem. They're not interested in the love of God. They're not committed to justice. But what, if they, what are they of interest in? Well, it says here, 
Woe to you, the Pharisees, because you love, this is what's important to them, the first seats, meaning the best places in the synagogue to sit, and the greetings in the marketplace. They like to be respected by man. But what we see from the previous verse, they were not interested in finding God's respect upon them by submitting to him. It all comes down to a very important question. Who are you trying to please? And I'm reminded of one of my favorite verses in the scripture. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10, where Paul says, If I was still trying to please men, and this is who these Pharisees were. They were man-pleasers. They wanted to have people look up to them. They were more interested in the reflections, the thoughts, and the attitudes of human beings rather than pleasing God. What does Paul say in that passage? If I was still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of God. So ask yourself, by my decisions, by my words, by my actions, can people see, and more importantly, can God see that I am his servant? Is he going to be well pleased with your actions that supposedly you have been doing for him because as a disciple of Yeshua, Jesus Christ, we are made into a servant of the living God. Move on now to verse 44. He speaks about another group. He switches the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were the experts supposedly in behavior, in what's known as halakha, that is, Jewish law. How one should order his or her life. Now we're dealing with another group. Look, if you would, to verse 44. He says, likewise, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. He brings in the scribes. Who were the scribes? Well, they were experts in the scriptures. Now, most of us, we hear that term scribes, and we simply think those people who copied the text. That's not who we're referring to. Not those who copied scripture, but rather the scribes in this sense were those who gave the laws for how the scripture was to be copied. And it was this group known as the scribes that would say, write a letter bigger or smaller or write something kind of a calligraphy, adding to the words, meaning in a decorative sense in order to mark some interpretation or explanation or some understanding of a text. So he's dealing with two groups thus far. Those who were expert in behavior according to the tradition of the elders, not from the word of God. And those who were indeed supposed to be presented as experts in the scripture. And he says, again, verse 44, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, and notice what he calls them, hypocrites because you as and notice this very important statement you as tombs tombs which are unseen and therefore what happens and men walk over them 
and do not know. What is he saying? Do you understand the implication of that passage? See, when you walk on a tomb, it, it is connected to death, and death brings about that which is ceremonially, we could say even in a stronger sense, spiritually unclean. And what he's saying to the, the scribes and Pharisees, you, how you are living, what your, your beliefs are bringing about in you is a degree of spiritual uncleansiness. And when we are unclean, God is not blessing. And that's what he's saying here. I am not in a position, God is saying, to bless you. Because you are unclean, your actions don't reflect the truth of my revelation, my word. Now look at another group, verse 45. We see here that while he was saying these harsh words, there were not only scribes and Pharisees, but there was another group. It says, but, meaning in contrast to what he was saying against the Pharisees and the scribes, the the one, certain ones of the lawyers. Now, these were also experts in Jewish law and how to live out one's life based upon the commandments of God. So we hear in this verse, certain of the lawyers were answering, saying to him, teacher, these things you are saying, and us, and the emphasis is us, you are reproving see they were part of the leadership they were working with the scribes and the pharisees they were part of the sanhedrin that ruling council the religious leaders of the time for the people of israel and they said when you speak this way you are also bringing reproach upon us notice his response verse 46 But he said, also you, the lawyers, woe. Same phrase, he says, to the scribes, to the Pharisees, and now to the lawyers, woe. Why? Well, in their understanding of the commandments of God, he points out, because you, you are the ones who burden men, burden men with burdens, And he says, you are the ones who burden men with hard or difficult burdens. And he says, but you yourselves, not one finger of yours, do you touch these burdens? Meaning, you say one has to do this. You make following God, keeping his word, doing his commandments so difficult. You place heavy burdens and harsh burdens upon the people. But you yourselves, you don't act in any way to do these things. So it's only to speak and teach in a way that in the end that you bring condemnation upon others. And this is the problem. Yeshua came. He spoke truth, but he also spoke grace and love and forgiveness and mercy. And he was teaching a way to experience God's love experience God's justice, experience reconciliation with the living God. And these individuals 
they were against the truth of God. They spoke against the only begotten Son of God. Verse 47, he says again, Woe to you, because you build the tombs of the prophets. So they are doing that, decorating them, making them very, very attractive. But he says, but your fathers killed them. Now, do you see the the problem? Their parents, meaning the earlier generation that, that were the leaders, they killed the prophets. But now you are the ones who are building for the prophets these lovely tombs. And it's like that you relate to the prophets, but you don't. He wants to point out they really were relating to their fathers who killed the prophets. He says, middle of verse 48, but, but you, you build their tombs. And on account of this, read on to the next verse, verse 49. He says, but you're the ones who are building their tombs. But this, we could say, on account of this, also the wisdom of God has said. So in light of their actions, the wisdom of God is testifying and saying, I will send among you prophets and, and notice this next word, apostles. Now, this shows, and it's a degree of prophecy, because Messiah is showing what's going to happen in the near future. He says, the wisdom of God, this is showing that these leaders, these religious leaders, are not representatives of the living God. But the wisdom of God has said, I will send among them prophets and apostles, and from them, meaning some of them, they will kill and they will persecute. Now, notice this. We see once again, if we look at their fathers, they were against the prophets. And now we see that they, that next generation, are also going to be against prophetic truth, modern-day prophets going back 2,000 years, and also the apostles. What does all of this have in common? They were against the revelation of God. And let me say to you today, you need to be very, very careful to whom you listen to. Are you listening to where you attend services, the place of worship that you go to? Is the leader, are the teachers there, are they truly embracing this book as God's perfect and true, and no air within it, revelation. That we need to take seriously the revelation of God, His Scripture, and believe it in the Word of God, we find the words of life. Move on to the last part of this passage. Look, if you would, to now verse 50, where he says, in order that, now notice how serious he is, in order that, the blood of all the prophets which have been poured out, meaning spilled, which have been shed from before the foundations of the world shall be required. Notice this. Be required, and there's an emphasis on that, that the blood of all the prophets that have been spilled from the foundation of the world. 
shall be required from this generation. Now, most scholars see this as Messiah speaking about the fact that there's going to be great judgment upon Israel because of inadequate leadership, ungodly, untrue leadership that does not reflect the love of God nor the justice of God. And we only can understand God's love. It doesn't come to us naturally. It's not something that we perceive in a natural sense. It's only through the word of God. In fact, I would suggest to you that it's only by rightly understanding the commandments of God that you can understand the love of God. You might say, why are you bringing the commandments of God into this issue in regard to his love? Because Two greatest commandments according to Yeshua are these. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor. Do you see that? The two commandments that truly reflect the the law of God deal with love. It's only through the commandments that we can rightly understand love and also justice. Read now from verse 51. He's talking about how they shed the blood of righteous individuals, prophets, and apostles. And he says, verse 51, from the blood of Abel until the blood of Zachariah. Many see this as the prophet Zechariah, the one who perished between the altar and the temple. Verse 51 at the end, yes, I say to you, It will be required from this generation. And he's talking about how in a very short time, God's judgment was going to fall upon Jerusalem and the land of Israel. And that judgment was going to be coming from the wicked empire known as Rome. And this was going to bring about the greatest time of exile, meaning from 70 A.D., almost 2,000 years ago. Until now, the exile has continued. You may say, well, the people have come back to the land. Yes, and God promised about bringing the people to the land of Israel in the last days, but we still don't have a temple. The exile is continually. Why? Because of God's harsh judgment because of improper leadership. And why is he so upset? We'll look at verse 52, where he says, Woe to you, lawyers, because you have taken, we might say removed, but it's you have taken the key of knowledge. You yourself should have entered in, but instead of entering in, even those who were entering, you prohibited, meaning this. You had the key of knowledge you knew what it meant to enter into the kingdom of god but you didn't do that you weren't interested in that and in fact those who were responding you prohibited and we see how and the only way to to speak here is how angry and disapproving yeshua is of these religious leaders but we need to be careful these harsh words are not against the jewish people in general but against the leaders and we see here those who wanted to enter in look at the end of verse 52 these were jewish people as well 
So it's not an indictment. He's not saying woe to the Jewish people, but to the leaders, and specifically the religious leaders at that time. Verse 53. But as he was saying these things to them, the scribes and the Pharisees, they began, and the next word in the Greek text is word with intensity or urgency. They began to press him. And this is a word of questioning. In fact, if you keep reading, they were questioning him concerning many things, many issues. So they simply began an argument with him that was very, very intense. Why? Because they did not like his words. In other words, they wanted to change the subject. And they put, so to speak, the the context of what was being said against them. They wanted to now question him for the purpose of, of trying to discredit him. And that's what we see in the last verse. Look at verse 54. Now, here, there's some slight differences between the Texas Receptus and perhaps your Bible, which probably is based upon a different Greek manuscript. But let me just read it according to the best text. It says, and they were laying in wait, meaning it's a word of ambush. They wanted to ambush him, and they were seeking to seize, meaning grab a hold of anything from his mouth. Why? And most Bibles ignored this last part in order that they could, could, we could say, accuse him. Now, this word for accusing is a word which means to take action against in order to (coughs) strip one of any authority or power or relevance. This is what they wanted. They wanted Yeshua to have no relevance, no position, no say, no influence in anything having to do with, with the religious teachings of that time. With the scriptures, they wanted to discredit him. And what the scripture is saying in verse 53, they did so in a most intense way. They weren't in any way willing to listen in order to be changed. They were stubborn. They were unwilling to repent. And let me conclude by asking you a few questions. The first is this. Are there things in your life that are not pleasing to God? In other words, Are there things that God wants changed in your life? The only way that you can understand that, feel that conviction, is when you take seriously this book. When you see it as truth from heaven, God's revelation to man, and you receive it, and you submit to it, applying its truth to your life that you might be conformed into the truth of Scripture. Only then will you see God begin to move in your life to bring about righteous changes. So through your righteous life that God wants you to exemplify and demonstrate that His presence in your life, we can say it differently, His glory might be seen in you and through you. This is the objective of every true believer. While well, close with that, shalom from Israel. 
Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.